Hi everyone, so welcome to the next GraphCracker webinar and today we're joined by Arm. So you might not have heard of Arm before, but the majority of you will use their products actually on a daily basis as 70% of the global population use some sort of Arm technology. So let's find out a little bit more about what this technology is and find out about Arm in general and the people who are in the know are on this panel. So I'm looking forward to introducing you to Katie Danes, who's an early careers manager at ARM. So Katie, first of all, could you give us an update and an overview of, overview of who ARM is? Of course. So as you said, um, I normally start these off when you're in a room full of people by getting everyone to stand up that's heard of ARM. And you normally get about 50% of people. And then I say, everyone stand up. And I'm imagining you're standing that has a smartphone or some form, some, some form of smart technology and the whole room stands up. Um, so we are behind a lot of the IP that you are using on a daily basis. 95% of smartphones um, are powered by some form of ARM IP. 70%, as you said, of the global population, you think of the billions of people that exist in, in this world are using some form, form of ARM technology. Yeah. So we, we kind of said we're the architects of tomorrow. We define that kind of pervasive computing um, that's shaping today's connected world. We ship around about 180 billion chips. So to give you an idea of the numbers that we are working with. Uh, we work in a slightly different model from, from a lot of companies because I can't show you a product that we, yeah. <laughs> we, we built. We don't build um, anything from, from a product perspective, but if you were to take apart your mobile phone, um, your watch, smart televisions everything smart i heard the other day there's a smart toaster really so what how does that work is you put your put, it, put your toaster on you can do it through your phone it pushes it down and then it does a timer to tell yeah. you how long you've got left until your toast will pop out wow um, smart flossing. so it will remind you that you need to floss and you put it on your wall and then it will ping at you on your phone if you haven't been flossing enough um, so there's some technology which is a bit questionable of whether we should be doing but arm is absolutely everywhere agriculture automotive um as i said anywhere that there is connectivity arm will be and we, and we go right from cloud to edge so it's really 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 exciting and the projects that we work on are, are really amazing yeah, and we're going to find out about, a bit more about those projects later on. And, and Kirsty, from, from Am's point of view, then you are you are a global company, as we're going to find out a little bit later on. So what countries are you actually based in worldwide? So we have actually got companies, as you said, all over. Um, our main hub is in Cambridge, but we do also have offices in Manchester, Warwick, Sheffield and Glasgow in the UK. Uh, we've got offices across Europe, so our sort of main hubs are Sofia, south of France, beautiful, got to go to their summer party a couple of years ago, it was beautiful. Um, Norway, Sweden, Germany, um, all across the US um, and India as well. So we're in pretty much most countries that you can think of. We sort of say we've got 80 plus different offices um, and across ARM, we have over nearly seven and a half thousand people and we have 85 plus nationalities. Oh, wow. So when and we have World Cups on a football, <laughs> lots of different supporters. Good fun. <laughs> Quite a lot of friction, I'm guessing. So from, from, the, from the graduates point of view and students who are thinking of applying to ARM, um, 
can you apply internationally or would you be based to start off within Cambridge or how, how does all that work? No, so um, we offer full sponsorship for anybody, so you can apply for any one of our offices. So wherever you are based within the world, you can apply for, for one, of, one of those offices. You don't have to necessarily be in that country. What we do have also is that we do a lot of secondment opportunities. So we've had uh, people that have moved around, not so easy now, but before the pandemic, people moving across different offices, different business groups, um, so, you know, it's, it's a place where you can make your own career. Yeah. Some people have a very linear career, which they go in one business group, one location and work their way up. Other people decide to switch between technologies. And these guys are going to give you so much more information being the engineer. Um, you know, you, you can move across different technologies. You can move across different locations. So it's, it's just a very exciting place to be and. and we're working now up to 2035 in terms of technology. Um, yeah. We're so passionate about progress. We're always looking at what's the next thing. 5G for me, IoT are huge, but for a lot of our engineers and a lot of the people in our research teams, they're kind of going, yeah, we've, we've been working on that for the last yeah. eight years. Yeah. So it's just exciting. You're working on stuff that's never been created yet. Um, so, yeah, it's... Um, but in answer to your question, haven't I have a thing of going around? You'll notice from my talking. Um, <laughs> but, but yes, you can apply for any one of our locations. Fantastic, thanks, Katie. Yeah, really looking forward to getting to know about um, all your different technologies in the future and what what your plans are as as a, as a company. And Katie, just finally with you, could you just tell us a little bit about your role um, at Arm? You know, are you going to be in front? I know virtually we've just been talking about that, but just do students and graduates get to meet you as part of the application process? So yes, um, we have a sort of a bigger team. It's not just me on by myself. There's an early careers team. Yeah. And we actually split that out into different sections. So you've got the early careers attraction marketing campus piece. So that's, do you know what? We're going to be on campus. We're going to be doing a pub quiz with you. Um, we may be doing something else. We might be doing a talk like this. And we're the kind of face of come and talk to us. Um, and we always bring people that are working here because that's who you really want to hear from about what it's like to work here as a graduate. Um, we then have an early careers team as part of your onboarding. So We've just had our huge global graduate conference where every single graduate from across the globe gets to come to a three-day event. Uh, this year we have Mr. Motivate Us. We were doing some exercise yesterday with him. We have Murder Mystery. Um, we had talks from all the senior business holders. And then once you've come in, you've got a whole program as well. So we've got things like LinkedIn Learning that you can jump on and, and do yourself some training. So there's a, there's a massive, massive team behind. The interview process or the process behind that, we call it a candidate experience. Mm -hmm. And that's because with any interview, it's not a one-way thing. It's not just us interviewing to see yeah. if you're right for the job. It's also you finding out more about the company. Yeah. So we have a presentation where we talk you through ARM, we show videos of what the offices look like. Mm -hmm. And we'll have one of our members of staff there so one of our graduates um or one of what we call our part-time undergraduates which is our new intern uh, yeah. position and they will be there to come and do a Q&A session so it's, it is as much fully interactive and trying to give you a, as much as possible in this virtual world what it's like to work here.
Yeah. And I think I'm in such a big company, isn't it? And I think things like the Global Graduate Conference really makes it makes it into a more family feel um, because you do get to meet your peers and everything else. So I think, you know, don't think of ours as this massive company because you do work in, you know, smaller teams, smaller groups, and everybody does seem really accessible. Yeah, um, the networking is absolutely fantastic. So the Global Graduate Conference, one of the main things is to teach people to, to introduce you to not just the graduates, but more senior members of uh, arm because uh, it's for a lot of people will come in thinking we're very corporate that you know the CEO sits in an office away from everyone our CEO went out for drinks with our interns um, when we were in person a couple of years ago so he did a talk to all the interns globally and for anyone that was in Cambridge one of them went come for a drink with us and he went for a drink with them oh, so there's nice. pictures of him in a pub down yeah. around the corner so that's how sort of networking flexible it is yeah brilliant thanks very much Katie so for now what we're going to do is um just let you all know before we meet go on the meet the grads um is open to some opportunities still and um, so make sure after this webinar you go to the hub find out a little bit more and get your applications in so let's meet the grads Jack I'm going to start with you so could you introduce yourself to the panel and um, who you are where did you go to university and what did you study I can. Uh, hello, everybody. Uh, so my name's Jack. I, uh, I graduated from Loughborough University last year. Um, I studied electronic and computer systems engineering, and that was before I started my job here in October. Fantastic. Thanks, Jack. And Jotamaya, I just want to say thank you. So you're actually based in Texas, Austin, Texas, and it is 8am over there. And I could not do a webinar at 8am in the morning. So thank you so much. I know you've got your coffee and your hot water, so you're all ready and raring to go. Um, so just a bit of background about you. Why are you in Texas? Where did you go to university? What did you study? Um, hey, guys, uh, this is Jyotirma. Uh, I work in Austin office, as Carla mentioned. Uh, I did my bachelor's from Manipal Institute of Technology in India. Uh, came for my master's, uh, graduated from University of Southern California. Uh, again, computer science, both of them. And uh, yeah, I had an internship uh, with ARM uh, over the summer of 2018. And I really liked the city, really liked the work culture. Uh, so finally decided to accept the full-time offer when was presented with one. Thanks. How does university life differ between um, your, your, your bachelor's that you studied and your master's? Was it, was it a, a very different in the different countries? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, like it was definitely way more intense in masters yeah. and uh, like you get to meet more uh, like diverse population i would say uh, in los angeles so that was quite an experience like there were a lot of uh, fulbright scholars so they were on their j1 visa <clears throat> they were basically there just from the perspective of like really learning uh, they have to go back to their country after they graduate so that was quite some experience um yeah two years course but was intense yeah i bet thank you very much and luca we've got an international field today so luca you're originally from italy um i believe you studied in italy but now you're working at um in cambridge so tell us a little bit about your background yeah, yeah that is correct so hi everybody so yeah i'm originally from around venice uh so i studied my bachelor in italy and my master partially in Italy and in Denmark. Yeah. And I studied mostly computer engineering. Uh, so after that, so last year of uni, I was working in France. Um, mm -hmm. 
oddly enough, because yeah. <laughs> uh, I started working before graduating. And then when I realized I, when I graduated and I realized I wanted like a really nice company, I started applying around and ARM was one of it. And so I applied in Cambridge because uh, just by chance, I like the UK. Uh, yeah. And yeah, and so everything went well uh, and I'm here. <laughs> yeah, so Cambridge yeah. is a very beautiful city. Mm. Yeah. So what, um, what I was going to ask you, Luke, I had a question in mind. Do, 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 do. What help did ARM give you then relocating, if, if any help, to the, to the UK? Uh, yeah, no, they have, they give me massive support. Yeah. Uh, so they basically have a package that depends on who you are. Like you tick some boxes. So if you have dependents, not, so this is just my case, of course. Uh, but they assisted me on paperwork through like a dedicated assistant. Yeah. Uh, to which I, so instead of having many people around the arms, so this is for, I don't know, um, the mm, work permit, this is for the res residency or other, I have just mm -hmm. one person and, and which gave me a lot of information. And then on moving here, uh, until I found accommodation, they, uh, gave me an uh, paid accommodation for, uh, up to a month, even more, if you don't find anything suitable, I guess. I mean, yeah. it's never been a problem. Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah, that's that's a lot of assistance in that sense. So I never really felt scary about going yeah. abroad. Like I didn't have any doubt on like, yeah, I'm covered. Arm is covering. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I can imagine it's quite intimidating, isn't it, coming to a you know a different a different country and starting with another employer. So it's great that Arm really does give that help and assistance. So yeah, thank you very much, Luca, for that introduction. And um, now I'm going to go on to your roles at arm so what you actually do um as on a day-to-day -day basis and i'm going to start with you again jack hey so um i'm a graduate hardware applications engineer um so i'll break that down hardware i work on the physical parts um applications so like the uh, the versatility of different applications that can be engineered into it um, and i do all this around um cpu products so my products are arm cortex anr products so i look after basically these are cpu cores um, and i just help the partners uh, develop those products um, and they come to me for support. And then part of my job will be to train a lot of these partners on how to use our product or IP, as Katie said. So that's the, uh, yeah, it's a long story short of my job. <laughs> so your partners, would there be ex people external from ARM that you have to teach yeah. them about your product? So a lot of companies will have customers. Um, our customers essentially are our partners because we don't just sort of sell to them. We have to work with them. Um, the things we design are very complex, so we can't just sell it to a customer. We have to provide support to them as well. Um, and this is why they're our partners as well, because we work together, which is quite cool. Yeah. I suppose you'd, you've got to have quite a, a wide skill set then, that, you know, the presentation skills <laughs> and everything else when, when you are speaking to the clients or your partners. Yeah. But you do have to have a diverse range of skills. There's um, one one phrase I learned recently, which is called a T-shaped engineer. So you have to be able to sort of understand a broad enough range of topics, but then become a specialist as and when you need to. Um, yeah. So that's a sort of direction or role structure that my role takes. And how do you, sorry, Jack, I'm keeping asking you questions. That's okay. And um, <laughs> how, how do you become, um, do you want to become a specialist in a certain area? And how do you become that specialist? Is it just training and training and learning the product? 
I've, I, hasn't, I haven't decided. I hadn't decided. Uh, I'm still sort of discovering that journey myself. There's uh, several roles or sort of directions you can go. And you can sort of go to uh, like subject matter expert, a specialist on something, or you can go into sort of like people management and things like that. I'm still sort of discovering myself. Um, but I'd say you probably need um, a, wide, a wide set of skills, um, but it doesn't necessarily, you don't necessarily have to be a um, uh, a complete specialist in one area that's what I would say is yeah more of a generalist than a specialist has helped in this role yeah yeah fantastic thanks very much Jack and um, right so now we're going to go on to Jotamayan so you are a software engineer at ARM tell us a little bit more about your role what you do um, on a daily basis um, yeah uh, so I interned for like 13 months before I was offered the full-time position like the six months during my undergrad internship with architecture group and then uh, another three and a half and six months of co-op whilst I was uh, uh, doing my master's at USC. Uh, so yeah, like started in June, 2019, and now I'm a software engineer. So my role <clears throat> requires me to have understanding of operating systems and um, computer architecture. It's like um, at the intersection of hardware and software. So there are times when I have to look at the uh, RTL or the Verilog uh, to understand what's going on do have to analyze the signals and what values they're taking. Uh, but my primary task is to uh, code that in Java. I'm a software engineer. Yeah. Um, so like uh, it, it, is, uh, it does require like a lot of uh, different knowledge of different domains. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, in, it's interesting. Like last year, I did get to work with um, Parser for domain-specific language, which, which we had. So it's interesting, um, requires a little bit of everything, but uh, yeah, but I mostly code in Java. Perfect, thank you. And so Luca, you're also a software engineer. Is your role quite similar to that of Jotam? Yeah, no. <laughs> my my intent is a bit funny then. <laughs> Stumbles, is, is your role quite similar or is it completely different? Uh, quite different. I mean, uh, yeah, no, so he said is between software and other. I am purely, purely software. And uh, the cool thing is that I was clear at the, during the interview uh, process, yeah, but I have no idea about any other. I mean, I'm very, very much software. And they said, yeah, but that's what we are hiring for. Yeah. And I really like that they have the right person for the right job. I don't know, they like, they, they find someone suited. So you're never, you know, thrown in an environment that you have no clue about. Yeah, uh, yeah so I, we have, so, my customers are um, other teams in ARM, and basically, uh, the teams that works in the core business of ARM basically produce this IP, and then they have to test that what they designed work. Mm -hmm. And my team is in charge of creating a product, a software that allows these other teams to test what they've done. Okay. Uh, so what I do is mainly programming in Python, um, right. which is. I've grown to like a lot. I mean, I was skeptic in the beginning about Python, but I, th I thought about doing things properly because in the past I didn't have done, I didn't have uh, like a very well um, done um, preparation on Python. It was mainly like, okay, it works fine. Instead doing things properly, it, that was, was the game changer. So that's why I like my job. I work with a lot of people that teach me a lot of things. And yeah. so, yeah. So you're learning new things every day. I yeah. probably should ask this right at the beginning because I think it was Jack who mentioned this at the start. IP, what, what is IP? 
<laughs> IP. So IP is uh, intellectual property. Um, oh, anytime awesome. you design something, you can um, get a trademark and uh, what is it? Patent it. There we go. Yeah. See, I thought it was that, but I thought, no, I'm just going to ask just to make sure, just to be confident. Um, right, guys. So thanks very much for the um, overview of all your roles. Now I'm going to go back on to um, tell you a little bit more about Gradcracker and ARM. So um, the ARM hub on Gradcracker is jam-packed with information. We've got the rewards and benefits. Katie's smiling because me and Katie have been working really hard on it. Um, rewards and benefits pages, there's video, there's employee profiles. Um, but something I really wanted to focus on today is the actual culture of ARM um, and the, the, the fact that they've got three core beliefs, which are be your brilliant self, we, not I, passion and passion for progress. So I'm going to go around all the grads now and just ask from their point of view, their experiences um, of each of these individual core beliefs. So Jack, I'm going to start with you. So tell us a little bit more about Be Your Brilliant Self. There we are. Um, to Be Your Brilliant Self, it's, um, it's quite great actually. It's a bit like uh, what Luca just described to us here where he said he hadn't really had much experience with hardware and they said, uh, that's absolutely fine. That's not what we're looking for. It's kind of that. They really are looking for you to be your absolute self. Um, so when I came here, I was worried, oh, do my experiences fit? Do my experiences um, translate across properly? And I didn't have to worry about that at all because they know exactly who they're looking for. And when you come here, they want you to literally be yourself so that you can be as innovative as you can possibly be. <laughs> You to be your brilliant self, Jack. Your brilliant it's self. A, your brilliant self. <laughs> right, Jotamaya, I'm going over to you now. So tell us about We Not I. Uh, yeah, We Not I is uh, mostly about collaboration. So talking about my role, like it requires me to understand a lot of different ARM IPs and uh, develop um, plugins for an application I'm working on. So it requires me to talk to a lot of people, understand where they're coming from. Uh, especially a lot of hardware engineers. So I don't have my degree in um, electronics and communication or EEE. So uh, it's it's kind of uh, overwhelming at times to understand that. But uh, even if people cannot help you directly, they'll redirect you to the proper resource, proper document. Uh, it's, it's really easy, uh, mostly because of the people you interact with at ARM. I think it's mostly about the culture. But when you think of Vinata, I would say think of collaboration. Yeah, I love that. Do you know, when you, if you don't know something, you've still got that network of people that you can go out to and, you know, get the key, key bit of information that you need. And um, Luca, finished off with you. So passion for progress. I think I think Katie answered this in her introduction, but tell us a little bit more about passion for progress. Yeah, so uh, I think it really is what he says. So I don't know there's a quote by Simon Sinek. Uh, some of you may have heard of it. It works with a lot of organizations. Mm -hmm. And he said, any organization shouldn't be, be in the business for the money. It should be for the goal that they have. And then money is something that you need to achieve mm -hmm. that. And I think this is very true at ARM, uh, especially both on a business perspective and on the personal perspective, every single individual. You shouldn't, of course, like you have to earn what you deserve and, and that's, rightful but then ultimately what drives you needs to be the passion and and yeah. the things that you want to do and you want to achieve what you are set to so in this case passion for progress it really is what it says i think yeah 
And it's about there's, there's so much progress that you can make at time as well. You know, when Katie just mentioned about the, the toasters and everything else, you know, how technology is changing. I'm not, not going to get over that. How technology is changing over the years and everything else is this there's a lot of progress that you can make um, as am as a company. So thanks very much, everybody, for the introductions. And um, yes, I think we're going to move on to your partner. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, Katie, I want I know you've touched upon it slightly when you kind yeah. of just about the process and the different groups and uh, situations but could you give the audience a bit more detail in you know what can they expect so they go to Gwyth Cracker Hub and kind of start from there and what can they expect next? Yeah of course so we normally go live with our roles uh, sort of the first week in September so we recruit a full year ahead which the business sometimes sort of go oh yeah you start recruiting in September for September and we're going no 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 we start recruiting in <laughs> September so I'm now thinking of 2022 hiring yeah. um, so we would put all our lives um, all of our roles live on on the hub and we've made the application process a lot easier so as the guys have just explained there they all work in different groups even though they've got quite similar-ish backgrounds we have 15 different business groups in arm some of those will be hardware, some of those will be software, some are a mix between hardware and software. Mm -hmm. You then have your project managers, your data analysts, um, and your marketing analysts. Yeah. And each of the teams requires software, for example. Mm -hmm. But there may be that one team requires somebody to do low-level programming, so your Pythons or your, uh, your C, C++. Another one of our software teams might need more partner enablement. So do you know what? They're not so bothered that you don't have to be the best coding person. Mm -hmm. So we've made it a lot easier by having one position that you apply to as a graduate. So if you are interested in software engineering, we have a graduate software position that you apply to. Yeah. Now, Jack's nodding here because these guys probably had to go through the old process where yeah. we had 15 different job descriptions and you went, don't know what partner enablement do. I don't know what DSG is. <laughs> CPU, I've kind of heard of that. GPU, yeah, graphic-y sort of stuff, I think. Automotive and IoT, who are their clients? So we've made the process a lot easier. So if you're interested in software, you would apply for the software role, hardware, hardware, project management, project management, um, and then technical writers. So if you like writing, a bit like me, um, we have a specific team that, on as as sort of um, engineering they they write out a lot of the specifications but we look for people from english psychology those sort of backgrounds so you'd go to grad cracker apply for a position um and as i said it's then our job to help you decide and discover which group you should be applying for yeah. you would be considered by every single one of those business groups. They work together as a steering community, as we call them, a steering committee. So every single person still sees your CV. It's not that we're limiting you. It's just that actually for us, have you all in one place for those managers, you've only got to apply for one position. Um, from there, we have a higher view, which is our video interviewing platform. Now, people get scared of video interviewing and, and, and I know it can be slightly off-putting, um, but we've tried to make it as interactive as possible. So there's always someone asking you the question. And what we do in that video interview is we have a number of different software questions. Mm -hmm. Where it's great is we say to you, if you don't know, because you don't do 
low level programming, don't answer it. That's yeah. just to help us decide, actually, this person wants to code, that's all they want to do. OSS could be perfect for you. So we get you to do the higher view. And as I said, the coding questions in there are not a, do you know what? I can't code. So I haven't got a job. I can't, be, I'll just stop now. Um, we get many people that complete it that go, oh, I'm so sorry. I was rubbish at it. I didn't answer that question. They're working here now. It's just for our indication. Yeah. Um, and then you would have what we call a candidate experience day. And once again, this is an interactive, and we call it a day. It's an interview and a presentation by us and an opportunity to meet some of the team. Yeah. So that would be with a couple of different managers. But once again, you are being interviewed for every single business group in arms. So instead of, Jack's probably going to smile now, instead of having to interview with five different people and spend 10 hours of your time and that person doesn't realise that you've interviewed with another team, actually, you just do it once. You come in, do your interview, then we would then make a decision. Mm -hmm. You might get five offers from that. You might get us giving you a call and saying, all these five teams want to make you an offer. It's your decision. Um, but we're trying to make it more that we're saying to you, this is where we think your skill set would really, really suit. Yeah. So we've changed it quite a lot. Um, there's some other stuff. My passion for progress. I would love to have like a BuzzFeed type quiz where you answer questions and then we have the team that we think you'd uh, suit. So watch this space. That's my work that I'm trying Ooh. to do at the moment. That sounds exciting. So cool. <laughs> <laughs> so Katie, from your point of view, obviously specifically for ARM, you know, what you've obviously talked about lots of skills and lots of kind of requirements, but what would make a great candidate for you? I'd say incorporating those three core beliefs. So for me, we had somebody that interviewed and got asked a question, went, do you know what, I'd go and Google it. And they went, okay, go and Google it. So this person Googled and went, well, well, Google's telling me this, but do you know what, then I'd go to GitHub because I've got community asked. They were like, go on then, go and ask them. And actually the initiative that that person was taking to say, I don't know the answer. And I've been at ARM now for three and a half years. I still find things out about ARM I had no idea about. Mm. And there is always somebody that you can reach out to. So a lot of it is using your own initiative yeah. um, and being able to find the answer if you don't know it. So it's, we always say, you're not gonna know every single piece of coding and we're not looking for senior engineers. That's not what we're looking for. We're looking for people that can come in that are really passionate about the industry we're coming up with stuff that's never been discovered before a lot of the time. So we're really looking for people that are really interested in this industry that, you know, want to come in and they've got that potential. And that's the main thing is that potential to learn. Nitty, for some students out there listening now that maybe aren't doing, uh, you know, <laughs> computing kind of at, at university, say they're studying, I don't know, aerospace or physics. I know there might be modules of kind of the tech side which they cover, but they're thinking, you know, I'm not sure if this is kind of an industry I want to go into. I'm really interested in coding and you know, the world that I am. Could they still apply? Of course they can. And we have what we call our ARM education team. So most universities will have free courses 
that you can go on to, which are ARM. And they're normally about six week courses. It's free. So it's not something you'd have to pay for. And they do ones on IoT. They do some sort of ARM specific machine learning, software, hardware. They've just released one that's on C, C++. So there are resources out there. Some of our people that have interviewed that we've just thought, wow, gone. I picked up a BBC Microbit or a Raspberry Pi at the age of 10. And I created this game for my younger brother. And for other companies, they might go, well, is that really relevant for us? Yeah, because that's mm. showing that, you, you know, you're really, really passionate about this. You go on GitHub, you were part of your hackathon. You, you were part of a, a society at university. When we're not looking for that person that's going to go, got the code done, leave me alone. We're not looking for that person it is more about that potential that constantly wanting to find out what an answer is and that's across every single business area I'd say we're all really inquisitive we all go could we do that better how do I find out that answer no I don't know it but let me go and find out how I think so go on Jess forefront of technology aren't you you know so it's not like you're a business where you've got all the answers in front of you you know you need to be intuitive enough to think right I I don't have the answers I'm going to I'm creating something brand new here uh, so I need to go and figure it out and find out myself it's interesting because we've just had a meeting actually I was going to say that web developers and uh, Mark our senior web developers just presented to us he's he's, he's just completed the app it was launched yesterday and um, I've just had like an hour meeting with the investor and he's just been talking to us all about these new coding languages he's been learning and, and we're all sat there and I'm like, I have no idea what he's talking about. And you know, because I think you always just think of the end product, don't you? You don't think of all the and everything at, at the end of it. And it's it was mind blowing, really. You think God we have got some of the most impressive minds I've ever worked yeah. with. And what's really exciting about coming in here is either an intern. Um, or a part-time undergraduates, we call them in the UK, or a graduate, you are surrounded by people that have got some of the best minds I've ever met. And everyone here is so passionate about what we do and us as a company. You know, we started off as a tiny little company in Cambridge. We're now the biggest tech company in the UK. We've got turnovers of some of the big companies that you'll all have heard of. And and we've done that in a really nice way, making ourselves sustainable, making sure that we do a lot of not-for-profit. We created the uh, UN Vision, which was all around the global goals. Mm -hmm. So using technology for good, created some really impressive pieces of not-for-profit. So there's just so much to get involved with. And yes, we're about our work, but there's a massive social element if you want to get involved in that arm. You can become team arm which is a really great initiative they go to schools teach coding they've been over to uh, uganda been over to some third world countries to teach children to code um you know there's just so much more than your job here and and yeah you're really supported brilliant well let's hear about some of these projects then so jack i'm going to come to you and um could you tell us a bit about i'm jumping ahead of you Carla. sorry it's just like, I love- <laughs> um, can you jack can you tell me a bit about the project that you've been involved in so far and maybe one of your favorite ones you've been involved in so far? um yeah so so part of my job is i do a bit of like a um, proactive work they set us um, a bit of time in our week that we can sort of decide for ourselves if we're not too busy sort of work on in the background 
Um, so what I've been doing is I've, um, I've written some code to uh, simulate certain performance events of a Cortex A55 core. What that really means is that uh, there's a CPU inside the core. There are certain events that you can record or measure to measure how well it's performing. Uh, so what I've done is I've written a bit of code in there that basically runs the CPU, triggers those events, and then counts how many occurrences of those events that happen in real time. And then what it does is it will then publish those results up into my lovely little computer window and it will tell me exactly what happened. So that's probably um, one of my favorite project bits of project work that I've been doing so far, purely because of the learning aspect. Um, it's making me learn every single different aspect of this design so that afterwards at the end of it, I can actually look at a CPU and be like, right, I know what's going on with it now. <laughs> Again, it's so weird because it, it's the same conversation we've just had before this, my colleague Mark has just said, that was that one of his favorite projects was rebuilding the app from scratch. So we've just rebuilt it in Ionic 5 and he's done, he's telling us all about these crazy characters we made. And that's what, where his favourite thing was. It was like looking back, I fully mm. how that works. If you asked me six months ago, I wouldn't have a clue. Um, now I can tell you everything about it. And that must be... It's amazing. Yeah. Um, but nice, no, definitely. Yeah. But you talking earlier, Jack, you know, about, um, you know, the hardware side of things. And I'm trying to get some gossip, really, in terms of... <laughs> What are the new things that are coming up? What are the things, you know, for example, you see phones nowadays getting thinner and thinner and, you know, like you've said, crazy things going into toasters. What's kind of the, the future for your kind of side? For me personally, like me directly, um, I, I don't really have any... Um any persuasion on um on what changes get made because i'm on the support end of the um uh, the life cycle as it were it's more about those partners those are the people who come up with those particular designs and then it's for me to support them um in that respect so in regards to what i think future designs are um off the top of my head i probably will say desktop computing that's that's where i think it would be i think desktop computing will be um a new wave that we will we will experience because <laughs> i would say that now we're kind of desktop. desktop. So, yeah, so I, I feel like there might be a presence perhaps where um, our well CPU performance is going to increase, where we no longer might see them in phones. Perhaps we may see them in desktop computers too. That's my that was my that would be my take. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Good to mention everyone that's listening. You know, when you talk <laughs> by that, that's it. <laughs> Um, Jyoti Mai, can we turn to you and yeah, any projects that you've been working on that you want to tell us about? Uh, yeah, so like I work on this application whose job is to uh, basically allow you to understand if the particular RMIP is working correctly or not. So you do something called simulations and uh, simulations basically means that you simulate the actual working of the processor or the mesh network where different processors are talking to each other to the memory. <clears throat> so they talk in different languages. Uh, we call those bus protocols. So uh, one project recently I, I worked on and I'm really happy about had to work with like um, a bus protocol, which was kind of complex. And uh, <clears throat> it required like two to three months of initial investigation. Uh, initial investigation is basically just going through the documents uh, deciding that how you intend to, uh, whether the project is feasible, how you intend to go on about it. And uh, then the next phase comes in when you try and decide what classes you want to work with, what, how you want to design your code, what would be the um, uh, hierarchy of your classes, all that stuff. 
And after that, you could move on to actually uh, writing your code. So um, like the whole thing coming to fruition could take like nine to 10 months. But the first three months obviously are a bit painful. Like you have to just power through it. You have to, you have to like have faith in yourself that when it works, it would be amazing. <laughs> and I'm really glad that the internal and external partners who have worked on, who have used my work, uh, they were happy about it. So that would be the project I really loved recently. So would that working as part of a team then? Was there multiple people working on that particular project or is it you just solely deciding and making those decisions and presenting it back? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, um, I have a manager who worked on the uh, main, main portion of the application and uh, I do talk to him regularly. Uh, uh, but like the coding and everything, we uh, I had to do it. And then the, we have like frequent code reviews uh, which are really important. I would say that as a <clears throat> new starter in the tech industry, take your code reviews like really seriously, learn from them. Uh, don't take things to your heart. It's your code, but it has to improve uh, for the betterment of everyone. So, yeah. yeah. You know, you've just done this like, you know, great piece of work. You present it and someone says, oh, can you just change that? Or can you change that? You're like, oh. That's, that's what you do to Mac all the time, Jess. <laughs> Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> um, and Luca, coming to you, what's your favorite project you've worked on so far? Uh, yeah, so the I work on one project, let's say one big project, which is with this app that we uh, maintain. But then what I really like about my job is that we have allocated time, uh, I would say roughly 10, 20% of our time only to innovation projects. So it, it means that it's dedicated um, inside our team to improve the way we work. And so that really is a broader term of software engineer. That's what I like a lot. And uh, one that I worked on recently is about containerization of our workflow, uh, which means, so this is really technical, but uh, basically in the past five to 10 years, uh, something called Docker came around and and basically gets your workflow so how you integrate your code how you test your code and and so on and so forth much slicker and there's a really depth a technical reason why uh but the fact that i had no clue i just it's one of those things that you heard of and then they threw me in and said yeah go ahead study around and try to see how you can implement it and then ask us things uh that really worked out well and i learned a lot and i felt a real software engineer for the first time, I would say. So yeah, that, that was really great. Um, yeah, so if anyone wants to read this Docker, D-O-C-K-E-R. And yeah, it's really, really something that it's like bread and butter until, but you don't know until you kind of play with it. So that was that was it. <laughs> this is what I love about technology though. You don't like, this is what, and I keep going back to Mark, who's a web developer. You, you never know it all, do you? Because technology is changing all the time. So it's always like, you know, an advancement on technology. You know, you mentioned GitHub before. That's something that we also use at Gradcracker. And it is it is fascinating. And I think, um, you know, Jotamay, I think you mentioned it towards your project. It's when Mark was rebuilding the app, you know, he had to learn new languages and everything else. And 
when it came to the end of it to release it like it did yesterday you can't believe how much she's learned in the last you know like three four months and Mark's been our web developer now for oh, 20 20 years it's just celebrated his anniversary and um, so that, that's the thing that I love about technology it's always changing it's always advancing so yeah it's a really exciting industry to be in um Jess I'm going to go to learning and development does that upset you no, no. <laughs> I'm just watching it <laughs> so I'm going to go to like I just mentioned learning and development um and more so a piece of training that you've enjoyed the most obviously you've all mentioned about experiencing new things doing studying new languages and everything else but what what key part of your development if you thought oh I'm going to remember that it could be because of the way it was taught or we actually what actually what you actually learned if I can get my words out so Jack I'm going to start with you again Sure. Um, I'm going to throw a spanner in works uh, right at the beginning. Um, so I can't I can't say one piece of training that I think is my favourite. Um, I would say generally the training here is fantastic because, um, well, I guess it is the industry standard. So I'm learning the content from the source. So every bit of content that comes out, whether it's like ARM assembly language or the different products, I'm learning about those products from the place it was designed, if that makes sense. So I'm learning it from no better place. And you have sort of like free unlimited access to all of these resources where at university, for example, sometimes I would struggle to find certain websites just to find certain bits of content. And um, mm -hmm. whereas here they're like, here's all the content, it's amazing. So um, I feel like the, the quality of the content here is amazing. Um, so, and then also part of my job where part of my job is to do training. I have to like, I have to be trained and then learn how to train and do that training. So I can't give one piece, but I would say generally like the training here is like, it's fantastic. It's, some of the best I've ever seen. What What is the best training that you think you've given? Oh, uh, I think my colleagues would argue. <laughs> yeah, I think my colleagues would uh, definitely argue here. Um, I would probably say it was probably one one training course to do with the specific CPU core that I was looking after at the time. That would be my best training delivery um, because that was my my area of expertise, as it were. <laughs> and how did you train that? Was it PowerPoint? Is it was it in person? So traditionally, um, the company, uh, I'm, I'm not sure yet because I haven't done it myself, but apparently traditionally before the uh, pandemic, they, you travel to customer sites around the world uh, mm -hmm. and you actually visit them and you provide like a presentation, a PowerPoint, maybe some sort of preliminary work for them to complete, as well as perhaps like follow up um, questions and answers as well. So it's usually done in person and via a presentation. But um, currently, obviously, we're all working remotely and um, we're doing our trainer trainer sessions all via Zoom, as we are doing now. Um, and we'd literally just have one presentation slide up on the top and it would be somebody teaching us some new content. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Jack. So, Jess, am I on to you now? What is your best training that you've received so far? Um, as Jack said, I can't pinpoint like one particular training. Uh, like since for my work, I need to read a lot of documents. We call them TRM, uh, technical reference manuals. So it's just like pages and pages of like information about the DAM IP. And uh, so um, apart from that, like I did learn a lot from my teammates, like good coding practices. They keep on reminding you that where you could improve, make the code better. So like when you look back at your code, like three months later, you'll be like, okay, I don't know why I wrote that, but it could have <laughs> definitely been better. Uh, apart from that, we have like different training modules, um, uh, even in my department, like DSG. So um, there would be a talk from some research arm fellow uh, regarding how they um, <clears throat> reach the point they reach in their career over the course of 20, 25 years. Uh, there would be, uh, we had recently had a DNI uh, 
uh, workshop, which was really good. Um, so like we keep on having these different uh, technical and non-technical uh, conferences, workshops, internal to department or um, like just for the entire arm. Yeah. So can't really pinpoint one training, but uh, it's all been good. A lot of self-learning as well. Yeah. What did you learn on the DNI um, workshop? What came out of that? Uh, we had like different uh, discussions about why people feel the way they feel. And it was more about like providing an environment where people are not afraid to really voice their opinion. Like they don't feel that they would be excluded just because they said something. So it was more about understanding each other where they're coming from and like yeah. also like different uh, cultural biases and um, like unconscious bias basically and how more and more diverse uh, uh, employees could be part of uh, armed workforce. Like how can we make it more inclusive so nobody feels left out? Well, it's very clear at ARM that like diversity is good. And just one last question more from the technical point of view now. So you mentioned about the coding and the best practice of coding. So from, from a graduate looking in, what top coding tip would you give if you can give a top coding tip? Okay, yeah. Uh, like make your functions the way, uh, I mean, the function should do one thing at a time and it should do it good. Uh, make your identifier names uh, uh, easy to understand as in like, if, if the variable should do what its name suggests. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, like, I would say design your go. I mean, I don't want to go way too much into it, but uh, <laughs> like, um, uh, yeah, like don't have, uh, don't tie your code way too much as in like, it's hard for the other coders to maintain it. Yeah. Uh, like make your, um, as I said earlier, function names, descriptive, uh, code easy to understand. Maintainability is a big thing. Uh, people just focus on getting things working when you're in the grad school, but when you enter the workforce, uh, you realize that you appreciate how important it is to write clean code. There's this book called Clean Code. If someone wants to read it, it's, it's brilliant. Oh, cool. So, is it, so basically what you're saying is that the code that you write needs to be able to be read by Jack and Luca. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, if they're having a hard time, it's probably my mistake that I didn't write it good enough. Obviously, yeah. a certain information and understanding of the context is important. Yeah. But uh, I mean, it should be maintainable. That's very important. Yeah. Perfect, thank you. And Jack, yeah. no question. Go on, okay. on this, I might say, I mean, like, there's always a saying, like, write the code as if someone has no clue about it. And yeah, they have to be able to understand it from scratches like that. And that's because most likely that's you in the future, not someone else. So it all comes back to you and you learn it the hard way. So, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, brilliant. So, what, so what's your? Um, I'm just thinking of our web developers, Jess. When so we've got two Mac and Max, and they have to like be able to read each other's code and what they're what they're both working on. So that has actually been mentioned at Grashcracker before. Um, so, Luca, what is your favorite piece of training that you have received? So, if I have to say one, I would say at the AWS training, uh, which is like an industry standard that it's really uh, hip right now. Yeah. Uh, but as Jotermaya said, I think the most important bit that you, everybody should look for in a company, in a work environment, is to be able to work with someone that you can just learn by osmosis, just by mm -hmm. staying 
aside them. You just see what they do and, and learn by just being in, in the environment. That's the most important bit. And that happens every day. So mm. yeah, like the company can provide you the best training possible, but then if you don't know, work alone all the time, there's nobody just giving you ideas that you can share thoughts with, you're not gonna improve much, to be honest. So how, how are you finding it then um, working in a remote environment, Luca? So how are you finding, you know, speaking to your colleagues, picking up bits and pieces from then as part of your training? Is, is, has it been quite restrictive? Uh, no, I mean, it's different for sure. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I think for our job is once you adapt is 80, 90% as effective. I don't know. You don't have the human interact, but you know, if you have to I don't know, share code, it's easier to share the screen than just to be seated together <laughs> on the same screen. So, you know, it, it really works well for my specific job. So that that's, that's handy. Yeah. Thank you. And I'm going to go on to now um, key benefits, because I know that Ham's got some absolutely amazing key benefits, which are all listed on the hub on Gradcracker as well. So, Jack, I'm going to go back to you in my little order. So, key benefit that you think um, Ham offers? Yeah, the others will hate me for picking this one, but I'm going to choose the flex spot. <laughs> it's the easiest one. Um, so, basically, uh, part of our like compensation package is Arm gives you like an allocation of a certain amount of money per year that you can sort of claim for. Um, but there's there's key stipulations on how you can use it, which is really good. So it's like well-being, whether it's like financial well-being, mental well-being, as long as you can sort of um, qualify a good enough reason as to why you would need this, um, yeah. you can claim on it if you want to do like further education. So maybe in a few years, I might do a master's degree. Um, so I would probably use my flex spot towards it, uh, towards the fees, which is quite nice to know. Um, so it's quite, it's quite, quite reassuring it's like a, a nice safety net um, oh i actually got these as part of it to help my productivity with working so yeah it's really good what's special about those jack is it i claimed these on my flex spot so that i could listen to music and take these calls um oh, so i bought these okay. and i claimed it via my flex spot so you're listening to me and shia twain all at once <laughs> all at once all at the same time that's it <laughs> everybody likes it i was trying to think of a pop star who, who shia twain just my cup of tea that is what i listen yeah. to on the weekend <laughs> that don't impress me much jack that's brilliant god i'm quite chuffed for my speech well, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we do have other benefits apart from that like uh, we have partnership rewards um we have the starter bonus thing so that's good like the whole package makes it really competitive for that particular region, like yeah. for the US region, I live in Texas, we don't have um, state tax. So my, my salary would be different from someone living in, let's say in the UK or in the India uh, region. Yeah. It just comes down to that. But the overall package, I would say is really uh, competitive and you get to work with brilliant people. Yeah, oh, oh but yeah, I like that. That's nice indeed. Luca? Yeah, so since they took the, the, the money part, I would say the, the perk of the office is really, really huge in Cambridge. You get, the office is brand new and shiny and everything is really great. Like it makes you wanna work, to be honest. Uh, but um, it's like you have your uh, canteen and so on, but also you have the well-being stuff. So for example, I talked, uh, you have a gym, yeah. I don't use much, but you have a gym. Uh, <laughs> but for example, there's the well-being stuff. So I talked with a nutritionist and I got my specific diet 
and we get we sit down to chat and because I play football so yeah. it was like an adult kind of thing and of course it's everything uh, part of you know being a normal employee mm-hmm. um, and it's so convenient uh, like besides not paying for it is also like it's very convenient it's like email so can you come up can come out the office just a second and we talk yeah so it's really really it makes your life easier that's really a good perk to me at least yeah and when you're looking at going back in the office then, I don't know, Luca, Katie, who can answer this, but is it is it looking at any time soon? So we're having a look at a new hybrid model of ways of working. So there's a real emphasis. So we've just joined something called RE100, which is a, a business initiative to drive oh, yeah. down carbon footprint. And yeah. so as part of that, we are looking at how we could create a bit more of a hybrid. So working from home, becoming the norm as well as some office work but going into the office for meetings rather than being there to to work unless you have to with we've got a booking system so at the moment if you really need to go into the office we're aware that some people have home situations which are not uh, the greatest for work you can book to go in and it's fully covid compliant Mm -hmm. looking at this hybrid model from sort of september time the people, though, that will be at the top of the list are people that have never been in our offices. Yeah, yeah. For me, I've been there, so I'm at the bottom of the list. We've just had a brand new gym put in that's huge, wow. which I've never got to go in. So I'm hopefully getting there. But, yeah, yeah, probably from September. But once again, locationally, we've all read what's going on in India at the moment. Yeah. Uh, we've just started an initiative where you can donate part of your bonus to, to buy oxygen for uh, the Indian... Um, hospitals and arm will match your donation so but we all know what's going on there at the moment so that we can't say when that office is going to be opening um so they'll all be slightly different times right okay and Jotamai what's it looking like for you in in Texas um like I think it's it's looking up uh definitely um I think I haven't looked at the exact timeline but I think somewhere around uh August I think the hybrid model we are moving into phase two pretty soon in May. Yeah. Uh, and I think like we'll have hybrid model uh, as Katie mentioned. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you very much. Now I want to move on to your top facts about ARM. I'm looking forward to these. These are going to be some blinders. Um, so I'm going to start with Katie this time. So could you give us the top tip that you wish to share about ARM? I would say that we've all read the news about Mars. Um, and we had a small part in the Mars helicopter. So the visual navigation had an arm chip in it. The yeah. flight control function had our arm Cortex RF, uh, sorry, R5F. Um, mm. And some of the sensors and fault management had our arm Cortex M1. So when you saw the helicopter with, Mar- with um, NASA going round, we had arm technology in that. Amazing. Very cool. I knew nothing about it (laughs) until they told us internally. Cool. No idea. So that was that was probably my coolest. Oh wow. Jack, you've got some words to hear. (laughs) You always come back to me at the end so I can (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna be it's gonna be Googling now behind the scenes. No, it will, yeah. I'm trying to look at my my, my description of a hundred different facts. I've got to look for it and pick the best one you see. (laughs) (laughs) Luca, Luca, what's your top tip? Yeah, no, it's really difficult to top that, to be honest. No, so, I mean, being a foreigner, one thing that I really learned 
later was that ARM doesn't stand for ARM. It's just an acronym. So that changed my perspective. I, I really thought for years that ARM meant ARM. And everybody, when I say I work for ARM, it's like, ah, ARM, like, ARM. <laughs> and it's like, and they literally do like this. And it's like, it's no, it's, it's an acronym and we stand for advanced test machine. So anyway, but yeah, so that's, that's my fact. I think everybody, it's like a social cause. Everybody should know. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Lucas, say that again. What does it stand for? I missed Advanced that. Advanced risk machine. Oh, I did you know I didn't know that. I didn't know that. It's an acronym in itself because risk is uh, another one. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so it's an acronym inside another acronym. Yes. Yes. Hey, gosh. So it's the type of CPU we originally yeah. designed. Right. Yeah. Damn. So these are how to ask these questions because we're getting all technical now and I just go quiet. Let's go back straight to it. Um, <laughs> Jesse Mai, what's your key fact? Uh, yeah, like uh, just talking about that, like I think in until 1998, it was like an acronym and then we moved to arm holdings, if I'm not wrong. And now it's like you just use it in sentence like um, capital A-R-M, yeah. unless and until the whole sentence is capitalized. So like we moved on to like just using arm, arm, it's... No, no longer stands, but like from historical perspectives, it's important, I guess. Yeah. Uh, the key yeah. fact I would sorry, what I said, yeah, a bit of history, I like a bit of history. Yeah. <laughs> like the Fugaku supercomputer, uh, is based on uh, AARC 64, the 64 bit uh, ARM architecture. Uh, it was made uh, with uh, I think Fujitsu, yeah, uh, it's called Fugaku. So, a few years back, if someone would have told you that the fastest supercomputer would be running on. Arm technology <clears throat> might have been a bit hard to fathom for people, yeah. <laughs> but we're used there, so that's nice. Oh, fab. Jack, have you got one? Uh, yeah, I've just thought, I've remembered it. It's like um, the concept that the most popular GPU in the world, I guess, would be a fanless GPU because it's inside all of our phones. That would be mine. And that's an ARM product? Uh, a GPU, sorry, a graphics processing unit. Uh, every computer kind of needs one to show you all the visuals. Um, and they usually require fans to be cooled because they produce a lot of heat. Um, okay. Except if you have a mobile phone, they exist with no fans inside it. So we make the fan as you use. Cool. Jack, I don't even know how to turn my iPhone on and off. I have to guess <laughs> to say, Jess, how do I turn it on and off? And she's like, do you know that kick? Do you know that's <laughs> That's how bad I am with technology. I said, like, just start screaming Siri. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do have some idea. <laughs> right, so thank you everybody for joining us today. It's been an absolute blast, really, really informative session. So thanks, guys. And thank you, Katie, as well. You know, you've been amazing going through about the um all the application process, hints and tips, and everything in between. So don't forget to the audience, the ARM webinar will be live on the Gradcracker Hub tomorrow, and then we'll break it up into bite-sized chunks, which should be live midweek. Um, obviously, it's Bank Holiday on Monday, so probably Wednesday, Thursday of next week, which is exciting. Jess and I will be joined by Edwards um, next week. So Edwards is a global leader of vacuum. Their products, similar to ARM, are in everything that you can possibly imagine. So tune in next week to find out more, and I will see you then. Take care, guys. Bye, everyone, for listening to us. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye.